Hey, before you start today's episode, I just wanted to jump on in and tell you about something so very exciting. I am holding my first ever summit. The Rise Above Summit is going to be on the 20th and the 21st of March and the tickets to it are free. All you have to do is register at theriseabovesummit.com. Now, I have pulled together the most phenomenal lineup for you. Honestly, it's like a who's who of the online world. So if you have an online business that you want to grow, so you're either a course creator, a membership owner, or a coach and do offer group programs, then this is definitely the summit for you. You are going to learn everything you need to know from the best experts out there in terms of growing that business. Let me just give you a little rundown of some of the speakers that we've got speaking. We've got the amazing Amy Porterfield, who's going to be sharing with us about growing her audience and basically creating a million dollar online business. We've got the phenomenal Michael Hyatt, who is a New York Times bestselling author, who's going to be talking to us about getting organized in our business. We've got Mike from the Membership Guys, who's going to be talking about using free content to sell your online membership. We've got Lucy Street from Adobe Express sharing the secret source of social media. We've got Graham Cochran, who's talking about a million dollar life giving business formula. And I do an amazing interview with him. We have Adrian Salisbury talking about three keys to maximizing your own camera presence. We have Kirsten Miller, Mary Hyatt, Joy Ann Boyce. Uh, we have Fifi Mason, Robin Kennedy. We have Kylie Lang, Melanie Moore, Jen Lena, Natalie Bullen, Liz Mosley. Like the list goes on and on and on. We honestly have the most phenomenal people. We also have various different activities that you can take part in that go from meditation to tapping to doing marketing in 10 minutes. So we've got lots of fun things and there's also competitions to get amazing swag. So go and check out theriseabovesummit.com. It will be linked in the show notes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Go and find it in my social media. Get your free ticket. And after you get your free ticket, you will be given the opportunity to upgrade to our VIP pass. And our VIP pass means that you can watch any of these sessions whenever you want. Because the one thing about putting on such an amazing summit with such a big and amazing lineup is that we can't fit them all in two days. And in order to fit them in, we're doing tracks. So you will get to pick between three different speakers of which one to watch live. And unless you've got the VIP passed, you won't be able to watch the speakers that you've missed. So do check that out as well. It's honestly going to be amazing. I am so very excited about it and I can't wait to see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast episode 128. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello and a really warm welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. How are you doing? So, okay, in total honesty, I have had a bit of a week. It was strange because yesterday I was talking to someone and they said that they were listening to an episode a couple of weeks back and said, you you sounded like things weren't good. Is everything okay? And I don't actually remember saying it on the podcast, but obviously I must have or, or alluded to something. But unfortunately, last week, as I record this, my mum passed away and she passed away of cancer. She had a very short and a very unfair fight and it took her away from us way quicker than we were expecting. And quite honestly, as like a 41-year-old, I I don't think I ever expected to have to organise funerals, work things out, do bank stuff for my parents. And, and it's been a real tricky week. And the reason I say this actually is for, for a couple of reasons. First off, that uh, one, today's episode is very apt, so I'll get to that in a second. But the other thing is, as a business owner, when something like that happens, it's really 
tough. It's really good, right? Because in one way, you're your own business and you're the boss. You decide what time you take off. You decide whether you need a few days. You know, you're not having to try and get compassionate leave or whatever it is. But then in the same breath, it's really hard because of the fact that you are your own boss. And if you don't work, the business doesn't often work. Now, I am and I always am so very grateful for my team. But at times like this, I am crazy grateful for them because they really did kind of pull together, get stuff done and were brilliant and and picked up things that aren't normally theirs and that sort of thing. So actually the business did carry on and ticked over. But obviously I always have big plans of things that I need to be doing and things that can only be done by me, like a podcast episode. I can't, you know, put that out to one of the, the team members. I've got to do it. So I, it was just really interesting. And I feel like I, I need to do something more structured or official, or I don't know, about how do we manage when things like this happen? How do we cope? How do we get back to it? How do we sort our brain out? Because honestly, to begin with, when mum first got ill, I think I went through a, a thing of, you know, well, what's the point? <laughs> and and almost like my brain was just not in the right place to work. So even if I'd sat at my desk, even if I had tried to work, you know, really hard or did the eight hours or whatever, nothing was happening because my brain wasn't having it. And then obviously I started to sort of pull myself together in the fact of, right, come on, we need to get on with this. And she passed away. And which, like I said, was an absolute shock to us all. So then we have the time I'm spending with my parent and my dad and my brother trying to help them out and sort them out and, and do various things for them. So yeah, it's really, like I said, challenging as a business owner. But you know what was amazing was yesterday was my first proper day back doing calls and doing a coaching call with the academy, doing some 90 day calls. And it was ace. And I loved it because honestly, what I do makes me very, very happy. So although I was absolutely exhausted at the end of the day, it really was a nice break. And that sounds awful, but honestly it was. So so I am literally recording this right up to the wire and I am relying on my wonderful team that they're going to turn it all around and get it out for Monday because obviously I've been a bit distracted with everything else that's going on. But I am absolutely still here and still doing stuff. I'm just a little bit quieter. But it just makes me think even more so, you know, that that life's for living and going out there and doing, you know, your your dreams and your hopes and and just going for it has got to be the right thing. The other reason this episode is particularly apt for, for what's just happened is on this episode, I'm interviewing the very lovely Sarah Jane. And Sarah Jane is an expert in all things Enneagram. Now, if you've not heard of it, don't panic. I'm going to put a link to a free Enneagram sort of questionnaire thing that obviously my brain isn't quite kicked back into gear yet, that you can do. But basically, it's kind of a personal development type, finding out who you are or confirming who you are or maybe why you do things the way you do. And I am a big fan of this stuff because I see very much personal development as not trying to attain a level I can't get to or not trying to be a person that isn't me, but I see it as really understanding me and then shaping the bits of me that I would rather shape or understanding the bits of me as to why I do what I do. And one thing that we talk about in this episode, which is great, and like I said, is very prevalent right now, is because I'm an Enneagram 3, Enneagram 3s jump into action. So crisis happens and we don't go, we might hide for a millisecond and then we're like, right, what needs to be done? And that has been so evident over the last week. So the stuff we've done in the last week has been unbelievable and it seems very fast, but, you know, organising the funeral and doing all the stuff. And, and today I have a call with the celebrant and I'm the one who's going to be telling her what she needs to say. And, you know, and I've taken a really strong role in my family in terms of, right, what do I need to do? And, and just, you know, going with it. And I think that's a lockdown because I'm an Enneagram tree because I take action because my default, if you like, is to to make things happen and to take action and to do things. 
So it was really interesting that this is the episode that was due out this week after what's happened. So I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. We talk about what Enneagram is. So like I said, if you don't know what it is, no worries. We talk about why it's good to know. And then Sarah takes us through, Sarah Jane takes us through the certain different Enneagram types. And really the idea is, although there is a quiz you can take, she mentions in the episode that you should almost identify yourself. But like I said, it's really, really good. I find it really useful. I will link up to that in the show notes. So if you go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash 128, then you can do your own Enneagram test and see what you are. Okay, I will leave you to it. Enjoy this interview with Sarah Jane. Okay, I am very excited today to welcome to the podcast the very lovely Sarah Jane Case. Welcome, Sarah Jane. Hello, I'm so excited I'm here. Thanks for having me. Very excited you're here. Thank you so much for coming on. So I've mentioned in the intro that basically you and I happen to be in the same mixer group with uh, our lovely friend, Mary Hyatt. So, and it was so fortuitous because I'd already been following you on Instagram and I was getting more and more into what Enneagram is and all that sort of thing. So it was just like, as with so many things, like the universe just went, you two need to like get in the same world. So that was amazing. But what I want to start by doing, because there's so much I want to ask you, but I just want you to explain to my audience who you are and how you got to do what you do now, which is pretty special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I primarily teach the Enneagram now. I come from the background of teaching creative entrepreneurs how to prevent and recover from burnout. And I found the Enneagram when I was doing that work as a coach and it helped me to kind of fast track about 10 years of discovery work. You know, people, usually we take all of this time figuring out what we struggle with, what our problems are, what our repeated patterns are. And the Enneagram kind of is like, Hey, here are your repeated patterns, here are your struggles. And so we could really get down to the root of their work much, much faster. So that's how I first fell in love with it. And then eventually I got to the point where I was like, I want to just talk Enneagram. I want to skip straight to the point. And so that's where we are now. I started my, it started with working with my coaching clients and then building out the Instagram account. I started in the end of 2018 and um, yeah, and it grew from there. So we should say that your Instagram account, how many people follow you on Instagram? I think we're at about 540. 45,000 now, somewhere around Wow. And like, was that ever your intention? Was it always like, like, you know, did you sit there and think, yeah, this is where I want to go with this? Or was it just a case of like, I'm just going to post this because I like posting this stuff? Yeah. It was really about a friend of mine being like, you're driving me nuts and this is all you want to talk about. Can you just find an outlet already? And I was like, I guess I'll create an Instagram account. And um, so I just started posting and it it went from zero to a hundred thousand in three days. Like I had no expectations anyone would follow it okay right so I just need to put a caveat out there for my listeners if you're sat there listening oh brilliant I'm gonna start an Instagram tomorrow and in three days time I'm gonna have 100,000 that is insane there must have been the biggest need for that for for that to grow that quick like yeah I think it was like the right place right time I created something that I was hoping for that I felt like was missing and I had been yeah. craving. And I think that I just kind of hit it, dropped it in the bucket right when everyone happened to be thirsty for it. And now there's so many Enneagram accounts out there. Yeah. It's insane. But when I first created mine, it was really hard to find one. Wow. And I do want to come back and ask you about some Instagram stuff in a bit, but the reason I've got you on is to talk about Enneagram. So if someone is sat in this and it's like, what the hell is this Enneagram that you've just mentioned 20 times? Explain to my audience what Enneagram is. Yeah. So it's similar to something, let's say like Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, DISC, you know, one of these personality typing tools. The major difference here though, is that it's you self-type. So it's not like you can take a test, but I recommend that you just read the types. You see which one you resonate with. It's so it's self-guided. You're not diagnosed. And then the second piece of that is it motivations based. So strength finders, disc, all of these things are your behavior. So it talks about what you do, but Enneagram is all about why you're doing it. And uh, so you're able to really get to the core of why we operate the way we do. So that's interesting, actually, because I did take a test and I paid for my test. 
Um, it was one that Mary sent me and was like, this is a particularly good one. And since then, I found loads of free ones. Um, and I actually, having what you just said, if I had read all the things, I probably could have come to the conclusion of what I was mm-hmm. without actually taking the test. But I guess... Mm-hmm. I guess if you're not as aware of yourself, because I would think I'm fairly aware of who I am and the type of character I am. But if you're not, then taking the test might just take that decision off the table for you. Yeah, well, a lot of people take the test and it's asking you questions that you might answer from the perspective of how you think you're supposed to be. Yeah. So when I first took the test, I got asked questions like, is it important for you to help people? Do you think it's important to love? Like, and no. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, sure. But really those aren't my motivators. That's just a bonus to who I think good people are or do. Yeah. Um, so when, but when I read my type, I felt exposed. I felt uncomfortable. I felt like someone had like written out my life and put it on the internet <laughs> for yeah. other people to read. And that's kind of how it usually feels when you find yourself. Okay. So can you, and I can, I'm guessing you can do this off the top of your head, but can you run through the different types of Enneagram? Yeah. So I'll give you the titles and kind of the basic worldview. So type one is the perfectionist or the reformer. They're really focused on being a good person, not being evil or corrupt. We have type two, the helper who's focused on being loved and liked Type three, the achiever who's focused on achieving and kind of achieving the next best thing. Then we have type four, the individualist or the romantic. They're focused on finding and expressing their identity. We have type five, the investigator who's focused on being competent and capable. Type six, the loyalist who's focused on safety and security and belonging. Type seven, the enthusiast who's focused on freedom and happiness. Type eight, the challenger who's focused on not being controlled. Type nine, the peacemaker who's focused on not losing connections and maintaining their own peace of mind. Okay. So obviously if you're listening to this and you might already have gone, oh yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. So um, the other thing that we've got with the Enneagram is, which I didn't quite understand. So I need you to to help me understand this, is the fact that you have wings, mm-hmm. that you have like a type and then you have a wing type. So explain how that works. Yeah. So The Enneagram diagram is a circle, so it's got nine numbers moving all the way around. On either side of your dominant type is two other types, right? There's one, so for three or there's two and four. And so you pull from both of those numbers to kind of flavor your personality. However, you're going to lean usually into one more than the other. So I'll say for myself, I'm a seven, so I focus on freedom and happiness, but I also have an eight wing that's pretty heavy. And so I can be really averse to being controlled. I can be really bold and direct and Mm -hmm. it can balance out that seven lightness with a little bit of grounded kind of challenger energy. Yeah. So, and I'm, we're going to talk about my Enneagram and this is going to be really interesting to when you talk about it as to how this shows up in my world, Mm -hmm. but what's the, what's the benefit? to I mean you and and how how you came about doing it kind of slightly hinted to the to what the benefit was but what's the benefit if someone's sitting here going well what's the point in me knowing what I am or what's the point in me going to look at this what's the benefit in us knowing what our Enneagram is so I think it's twofold the first one being that anything that we're trying to change in our life any habit or you know expression of ourselves that's not serving us we need to get to this, the root of the problem, but usually we're treating symptoms, right? Like, oh, I just need to change my behavior. I just need to drink more water. I need to run more. I need to, you know, make a million dollars. And if I just do these things, then I'll feel better. Then I'll be happy. And what really we need to do is get to the root of what we think we have to be in order to be loved, accepted, okay, safe, whatever it is that we're craving, we can recognize that we can have that from right where we are. That's not earned. The second piece of that is that it gives you the information into what those repeated patterns are. Most of us, like I said, we go our whole lives not realizing that we're making the same system happen over and over and over again because it's our worldview. It's what we think we have to be. It's what we think everyone thinks they have to be. We don't realize that other people aren't swimming in the same water and they're not driven by the same things. And so it helps us to get to our growth pattern faster 
It helps us to deal with the root of the issue. And then it helps us to understand that other people think differently than we do. And that last one for me actually was massive because I redid my Enneagram right at the beginning of the whole COVID-19 thing. And it answered so much for me because I was immediately into, right, come on, what can we do? Let's do something. Let's let me help people. Let's do a masterclass. Let's do this. And I'm still doing that. And I couldn't appreciate, even though I like to think I keep a fairly open mind and I take people's points of view and thoughts, but I couldn't appreciate how some people wanted to go and hide in bed. Now I, well, I could, cause I wanted to do that. But the point is I didn't. And oh. I got up and was like, no, we can't do that. So actually one thing that was really fascinating for me is doing the Enneagram at that point and then going, ah, that <laughs> that's why I am kicking into action and not everybody is doing exactly the same thing. Mm. So is there positives and negatives to each Enneagram number? Yeah. And I think usually it's the same thing, right? So I'll use myself as an example. I love freedom. I love happiness. I love feeling satisfied in my life. And that is beautiful because I make choices that involve my self-care. I put myself first when I need to. I don't sacrifice joy in my life. And I'm willing to make whatever pivot I need to make in order to enjoy existence. Mm -hmm. On the back end of that, the low side of that can look like um, dodging out of things a little early, you know, trying to put too much on my plate because I don't want to sit still, putting you know, giving myself away to the wrong task because they seem exciting at the moment, leaving commitments before I've really let them marinate and get really good. And so while on the high side, it's great. On the low side, it doesn't serve me. So we're kind of looking for that middle ground. Okay. So let's, let's talk about, and I want to talk about my husband as well, because this is, this is, I just love this stuff. It's so good. So my Enneagram is three with a wing two and my husband is a two and I don't know what his wing is. I guess uh, Mary would probably know what his wing is because she knows him pretty well. But let's start off with me. So a three and a wing two, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So a three is dominant in the achiever. So that means that most of your life you've, you've built out a path to success, right? In any circle that you're in, you're going to look for the upward trajectory. So that could be, if you're a hippie, you're going to be like the most hippie. If you are in the marketing world, you're going to be, you're going to do the upward trajectory into being the best that you can be in this world. Uh, One descriptor is you seek to be a human ideal. So in every area of your life, you are constantly seeking like improvement. Yeah. Now you add that two in, you become a little bit more network oriented. You're really good at connecting people, maybe a little bit more hospitable, like having people in your home, that kind of thing. You may also be a lot more community minded. A three wing four is going to be a little bit more individual, a little bit more introspective, less outward focused. So this is where, this is where I love this so much because I can now look back and even like look back a few days ago, a few months ago and years and years ago. So in school, I, my parents had to go into school and tell them to back off me because <laughs> the pressure I was putting on myself was unbelievable. So mm-hmm. I would be sat there till God knows what time at night it had to be the perfect homework. At university, I rewrote all my notes every yeah. lesson. I rewrote them to look beautiful. I read all the books. I did all the stuff. I've always been competitive since for as long as I can remember. And, and from a career point of view, I've always wanted to be the best and the, the first and the, you know, that sort of thing. So again, that sort of stuff is, is amazing to hear that Mm -hmm. and to think about that. But then sometimes, because I can be so dominant and competitive and Mm. I think, and this, tell me if this is a three thing or not. I think I can be very single-minded when it comes to like, I'm really good at work. So it's like all my focus goes into work because I know I can succeed at that. And I avoid the stuff I can't succeed at. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And Sorry, you can but... usually, most threes can pick up pretty quickly if they're going to be good at something or not. And they'll, they'll avoid that relatively soon. So it's like everything they try, they're really good at, but they may not try everything that they want to try. Yeah. Yeah. 
So then when it comes to the social side, I am life and soul of the party. I love a party, always have done. Loved having people at my house, used to cook dinner parties all the time, love pleasing people. Like I love nothing more than cooking food and having people go, oh, that was brilliant. Obviously it needs to be amazing as well because it'd have to be the best, you know. But one side of this, which I'm assuming is this three, is I'm a perfectionist and that is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that's the wanting to be in control. Element. Yeah, well, you know, the, if you think about it from a worldview perspective, threes are their worldview. The belief is that in order to be okay, you have to succeed. You have to constantly be achieving new things. And so if those, um, if something feels like it's falling short, if it's not the best that it can be, it feels like you're failing. It feels like you're not doing so then your whole worldview gets shaken so and then the two elements because that is the more kind and caring point of view but what's really interesting is because my husband's a two but he's not very community-led at all so he is really he is the biggest people pleaser in my home so he is the He'll make all the coffees, he'll make the dinners, he'll sort out the dogs, he sorts the house. He Anything that I need, he wants to give me and and he's very kind. And again, with the children, and he likes us all to get on really well. And But he's not social at all. So mm-hmm. that was really interesting when we saw that, th- that two element with him. Because when, um, I need to explain as well, that some of the content you share are these two ladies. What are their names? Oh yeah, uh, Leanne and Michelle. Okay, so uh, we're going to link up to everything in the show notes and I'll link up to their account because they are comedians, they're American comedians. Mm -hmm. And they do the funniest ever videos and they act out how twos and threes are. So for instance, the funniest one for me was Valentine's Day because this is just, it couldn't have summed us up better if we tried. (laughs) So a two for Valentine's Day, they were like, this lady was like, so, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to cook him breakfast and then I'm going to go and we're going to watch his favorite game. And then we're going to do this and I'm going to love it. And it's going to be amazing. And (laughs) that's what a two is completely giving, isn't it? And again, if I said to my husband, that's what I want to do, he'd be like, okay, that's fine. And then a three, they act like the three and it's like, I want it to be perfect, but I don't want to tell him how to do it. He needs (laughs) to know that it needs needs to be my most perfect Valentine's day, but I don't want to tell him. Like, I don't want to give him the details, but obviously we're going to start with mimosas and oh God, we were howling because we were like, (laughs) that is completely the difference between him and I. And I think, like I said, when it came to the COVID-19 thing as well, he was very much about looking after the home, looking after the people in it, being concerned about, are we going to have everything we need? Are we going to be able to, like, he's the one who always goes to the shops and all that sort of thing. Whereas I was like, right, I need to do a masterclass. I need to do this. Come on, people. We need to write a plan. I've got the kids writing plans. Well, you're going to get up at eight. We're going to be doing this. We're going to be having games night. We're going to like stuff that we wouldn't normally do. But I just kicked into action. And like I said, for me, it was so fascinating to see the difference and to understand our perspectives. And I'm guessing that's, that's one of the beauties of it from a relationship point of view to, to see what each other's like. Yeah. I mean, I think most of our lives we're spending in one worldview, right? We're thinking everyone is operating this way. And so giving the opportunity to see, oh yeah, this isn't your way of living. You don't view the world through my same lens. You have a completely different lens so of course we're ha- we have completely different behavior. And I think with all of the stuff going on in the world right now, a big thing that's happening is we're learning a big part of the Enneagram is that these are kind of our coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. This is what we learned along the way we had to be. Like this is what, it, what will keep us alive, help us survive and put us in good standing in whatever way we've kind of chosen to, to do that. And so In that regard, I think one, we're more likely to see kind of a heightened version of our coping mechanisms right now. You know, um, no matter what your type for you and your husband, it's going to be, he's probably going to go into helper mode, which can lead a little bit to some resentment in that stress place as he starts to feel like he's giving too much and he's not getting what he wants in return or he has unspoken expectations. For our threes with their, you know, it goes into, I need to do, 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 do. I can't let like... 
the fear of like, what if I slow down during this time and I don't keep on my upward trajectory can become a really big thing. And then in that stress place, a lot of threes really need that downtime. They need to shut off, shut down. And that's a hard place for most threes to go. Um, Just like the resentment is a hard place for our twos. Yeah. And so I think that's, I guess, my next question then. So let's say, you know, if someone sat there and think they've identified this, how do we, how do I manage this three? How do I, now I know, yes, that is absolutely me. And like you said, it's a really, it's a really like, I've just looked into the mirror and you've just exposed me for who I am and what I'm like and for the good and the bad, you know? So how do you, how do I use that in my day-to-day life? Is it just a case of being aware, oh, that's why I did it? Or is there something I can do about it? Yeah. So I would say step one is creating separation between you and the number. So um, recognizing that you don't actually have to be that thing, that you are okay, you're safe, even when you take that off. So some people describe it as armor and that's armor that can be released or let go of, or kind of our protective mechanisms. Um, so we don't have to hold on to these identities. So I don't actually have to be the fun one. I don't have to be happy. I can be safe and good and loved even in my darkest times. And that's like the first thing to learn is we don't have to be our number. Um, the second thing is learning to create space between our thoughts and our reactions, right? So our first action is usually right in line with what our type pattern does. So something catastrophe, you know, catastrophe hits, our first response is the quickest access point that we have to survival, which is our type structure. And then, but if we can create a little bit of space and time between that thought, okay, I'm, I feel threatened. Well, then I get to choose how I respond. I don't have to just operate out of how I've consistently operated before. And then the next thing again is allowing yourself to add tools. The Enneagram really is a map, right? It's information and we get to add the tools and things in place to help us to work with it. So a lot of what I did in my book is I tell you about your type, but then I also add in, here are some tools that might be particularly helpful to your type structure because we do, we need support in the work. Okay. So kind of where some of those characteristics can tip over into Mm -hmm. the, the more not negative side, but you know, the side that you wouldn't feel so confident with. Did I read something about Enneagram saying that sort of because I am an achiever, titles and things are very important to me and to because achieve that thing. And I remember, and this is so hard to admit because God, it was so embarrassing. Years and years ago, I, I used to work for Land Rover and I headed up the corporate marketing team and I loved that job. And I made everybody know I love that job. <laughs> And I was so irritating. Like you couldn't have even held a two minute conversation without me somehow getting my like thing and shoving it in there to go, look, look what I do. Cause it meant the world to me. It was like, you know, hi, I'm Teresa. Oh, I'm, I'm head of marketing for, you know, Landro and corporate. And it was like, when I look back now, I think, oh God, that's horrible. And I guess as I've got older, I've chilled out about stuff like that, you know, I've realized that's not the be all and end all, but looking back, I think, oh God, that, that I was hanging everything on that. So again, I guess tools to deal with those sorts of scenarios. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for our threes, a lot of times, you know, the work is around recognize is around presence and satisfaction with your day to day, because sometimes our threes, I, I talk about our threes kind of doing this mountain jumping thing, right? You climb the mountain. You get to the top. You're like, I conquered the mountain. You look around. There's a taller mountain you haven't yet conquered. So you have to climb that mountain. You get to the top of that mountain. There's another one. And the whole time along the journey, you're having a miserable experience, right? Like you're just like, it's exhausting. You're tired. You're stressed out. You're overworked. But you're like, once I get to the top of the mountain, then I'll relax. But then you get to the mountain, there's just another mountain. And so the work for our threes is recognizing how can I enjoy the process and how can I make sure that I'm reminding myself to enjoy the process because the journey is going to be 90% of your life, 98% of your life is going to be the process, not the accomplishment. Yeah, that's so good. So like, is there a, 
you know, my daughter was asking about star signs the other day, which is really funny. She's obviously just, she's 10. She's just discovered she's a particular star sign. And so now she's getting me to read what it all means and that sort of thing. So is there like certain Enneagrams that go better with certain Enneagrams? Like, so for instance, either in relationships or in work. So I'm about to bring on a, another uh, VA um, and I have two phone calls, uh, well, phone, phone calls, how old school am I? Two Zoom calls tomorrow morning to talk to them both, to see what I think of them and, and that sort of thing. So is there like, and you know, should I be getting them to do an Enneagram? And is there certain people that I would get on better with because of my personality type? So it's really about making sure everyone's doing the work. So maybe you have people who you feel more naturally inclined to connect to because of your type. But in general, I think it's really just if everyone's on a healthy to average to healthy level, you're going to be able to get together and and do the work. I'm slow to say that any number could potentially be better than another um, for connection or for even employment. I know in a lot of countries, it's illegal to use the Enneagram as a, a method for employment because it can be essentially a form of prejudice. Like yeah. we're saying like, oh, you are this thing. And if you are this thing, you can't do this job. But we don't know that. We're not taking that person into consideration. No. And there's so many factors to the Enneagram. So things to keep in mind is we have the wings, we have subtypes, we have lines to stress and rest, which go to two other numbers. And we have levels of health, low levels to high levels of health. And so within that, every person who is any number is going to show up way differently than another. You might see patterns and similarities and things like that add up. But for the most part, everybody has to be taken in as an individual. Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. So tell me about the subtype. Like Mm -hmm. that, what's that again? So the subtype, there's three distinct subtypes to every number. It's one-to-one self-preservation and social. And these are your instinctual variants. They're what you think you have to do to survive. So they're kind of your primal instincts. We all have all three of them, but usually one is dominant. And then we have a secondary and we have one that's usually repressed and they add flavor to your number. So self-preservation types are focused on like their physical safety, getting their needs met, creature comforts. Our social types are focused on where they are in the social hierarchy. And then our one-to-one types are focused on like deep, intense emotional connection. So yeah, so mine is social. (laughs) Unsurprising, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, But yeah, so mine's social. And I would say, I need to check with my husband's, but I think his would probably be the more one-to-one or self-preservation thing. Because again, he's probably very good at... Is that a looking after yourself point of view or is that a self-preservation in a different way? Yeah. So so for twos, it looks a little bit differently. So self-preservation twos can look a little bit like a four or like a seven. They tend to be the least overly giving, least least self-sacrificing of the twos, which are the most self-sacrificing type. Yeah. And they, they tend to be a little bit more, they need to be... Uh, helped a little bit more than the other twos do. Um, the one-to-one two is they call it the seductor, like the s- seduction. So they're a little bit more like smoldery. They're like intense connection, good eye contact. They oh, want that's you to definitely feel really good in their <laughs> <laughs> He's very smoldery. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That is so funny. But, but he he is much more about that kind of connection. He's one of these people that when you speak to him, he will look solidly in your eye and very much like concentrate on you as a person. Anybody he meets, he's like that, but then he wouldn't be the one one person who'd want to go into. Like if I said to him, we're going to have a party at our house, he literally would have a breakdown. Like he would kill me. It would not be his bag at all. Uh But if we went somewhere and he met someone, he would just give him their, his full attention and stuff. So, so yeah, this, I love all this stuff. Do you find yourself like when you meet people, can you pick up their Enneagram really quick? Sometimes I can usually like put them in a couple of different numbers. And so I can kind of get an idea. I'm pretty slow. I would never tell them that I have an idea. I might say like, have you checked out this type? Yeah. Um, but normally I try to keep myself out of it and just kind of 
notice. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's so good. And like I said, it's more about, I guess, it's not about a tool to beat yourself up with. It's not, it's, you know, because I could be like, oh, that's why I'm like that. That's why I was a dick years ago telling everybody I work for Land Rover. Oh, it's so horrible. It makes me cringe like anything now. But it's more of a, and like I said, the time I did it and then what was happening, it literally was, oh, that's why. Mm -hmm. And then I could be so much more gracious that when I was saying like, you know, come on, we could use this time for this and do this and do this. And then some people obviously don't want to do that. And that makes perfect sense when there are all these varying types out there who behave and act in different ways and and that sort of thing. So tell me about your book then, because you've mentioned your book. And what's super exciting is as soon as I saw that you got a book, I pre-ordered it and I just looked just before this call and it says the release date's tomorrow here in the UK. So if it arrives tomorrow, that would just be amazing after the recording. But yeah, tell us about the book then. Yeah. So I love the way that you just described not beating ourselves up with the Enneagram because that is my objective for the book. I want you to feel held supported. Someone described it as a really friendly therapist. That's my goal. I want you to feel like, yes, you're being guided through this growth, but you're not alone. You're totally okay. You've not failed in some giant way. And you can actually speak to yourself in this process with so much compassion and love and understanding. And I think if you are new to the Enneagram, if you're experienced with the Enneagram, it's a really good fit for either of you because you are able to read it the way that I would speak to you. And hopefully that can give you a little bit of language into how you can speak to yourself with more tenderness, more understanding and a lot more care. Yeah. So, sorry, another question and then we'll get back to the book. Like, what if I'm sat there going, but I don't want to be this? Like, what if I am, I mean, I, and I guess maybe everyone would feel like this, but I'm actually quite happy about what I am because I, that works for me in my life right now. (laughs) But what if I'm sat there like, I don't, you know, my husband's a real giving character. And like you said, he, he will do everything himself. He'd be like, no, I'll do that. I'm not asking help. I don't need your help. I can do all this. I'll cook dinner. I'll clean up from dinner. But then he does get like, I know now that I have to love on him so much. And I am very appreciative, but I really have to go to town on it. But what if he sat there going, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want that. Like, is that something that people can, can they change? Can they is it just a case of taking the tools and going, okay, let's try and work with it? Or or how does that work? So all of our numbers, they're, they stay the same. Like our worldview isn't going to shift over the course of our life. However, our interaction with that can change. So most people actually, when they read their type, are a little bit embarrassed, a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe they feel like they've done something wrong. And so what we can do with that is we can say, actually, you are not your number. Somewhere along the way, you learned that you had to be this. And so can we hold compassion for the little kid that learned that message? Mm -hmm. So somewhere along the way, your husband learned that that love was earned. And like how, like that's something to hold compassion for. That's something to soften and say, okay, you learned that love was earned But now that you're an adult and now that you are in a loving relationship, you can own the fact that love is innate, that you get to be loved just for who you are, not for what you do. And that that process is a lot of the healing that we do of of those childhood messages that we received. And again, it's super interesting because I'm sat here thinking, I'm a third child of three girls, okay? I had to fight really hard. And to make life even more complicated, when I was five, my brother was born and my brother's special needs. So not only was he a boy of three girls already, and he was special needs. So it was like, as the youngest, I got the attention for maybe a small amount of time, and then it all went on to him. So mm-hmm. I felt like I think I had to like go, look, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. So, because I was going to ask, where does it come from? Is it, you know... Because when I look at my sisters, there is no way on this earth they are the same Enneagram as I am. Like, I don't know what they are, but there's no way we're the same. I'm adamant of it. So is it, it's not from a childhood as in the way you brought up. It's just something somehow, something has developed that. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different schools of thought on it. 
there's, you know, one that says you're born with that type, one that says it's formed as your childhood wound. Another theory is called the soul child theory, which is that you're the number you move to in health. So for type three, that's going to be type six when you were a little kid and that somewhere along the way, it wasn't safe to be that. And so you've developed your type as a way to protect that kind of inner child. So type six is a lot of times they say type threes when they were little kids were a little bit anxious. They worried about the world. They felt unsafe. And so they learned that if they could kind of power up and achieve, then they could protect that little kid who was scared. Okay. So that's what you mean by like the types. So Mm -hmm. when you see the Enneagram, you have lines going across it. So a three would go to a six in health, you said though? Um, So I really mean rest. So kind of like when you feel safe, open, relaxed, you're going to show up a little bit more like a six, which is more community minded, more like a rising tide lifts all boats, um, less competitive, more like I want to help my neighbor kind of thing. Yeah. And I I do have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But I do have a lot of the competitive stuff as well. So, oh, sure. and I have to be mindful of like, you need to knock that back a bit and just, and sometimes I'll be like, mm, you know, about something. And other times I'm like, no, let's spread the joy and love. That's absolutely yeah. fine. And then the other number that is the unrest, did you say? Mm-hmm. Stress. Stress. So what's that for a three? So for three moves to nine. And so this can look like some, a lot of threes have this kind of roller coaster energy where you like go hard, you go all in, you go like you, and then you crash. So it's kind of like, and I'm out. Um, And then you just kind of nines, they primarily focus on their peace of mind, but they do that through numbing. So they'll kind of shut off to life. They might, you know, get in like uh, scrolling Instagram or watching TV or, you know, whatever their particular preferences for how they numb threes can kind of go into that space. That's so good. Cause again, that is exactly me because I am, because like you said, one thing we have to be really careful of is we can burn out because I just don't stop. But what happens is, and this has happened yesterday, I have done a online conference this morning quite early. Uh, so I spoke at that conference and the energy I bring is insane. And I am very much like that. And then I spoke at another thing and then I had something else. And then I came off my final call at a couple of hours before I had this call with you. And I was like, don't speak to me don't look at me. I don't want to talk to you. And my husband finds it amazing that I can come in the room with you and I can be like, la, 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 la. And I walk out and I'm like, Ugh, don't even uh-huh. look at me. But it's that kind of, and it is a roller coaster because he said you were fine this morning. And I'm like, that was this morning. That was hours ago, man. Like, I'm not fine now, just so you know. So again, it's so, but it's, I'm guessing it's not, and it's not a thing to use as an excuse either. It's not like I can be miserable because that's what my type is. So I'm allowed to do that. So it's not a, as much as it's not a stick to beat ourselves with, it's also not a way to like be horrible to our partners because we're like, well, that's just my type. I can't help myself. <laughs> well, I think it's, um, the, I think with three is a good example. Like we often, we don't give ourselves what we so we, re- we reject things in ourselves. So threes often reject rest. So they reject complacency. Mm-hmm. And because you're not comfortable being like still with, and, and I want to say stagnant, like mm-hmm. feels like stagnant, stillness feels like stagnation. Yeah. And so that stillness can feel like a failure. We don't allow that to other people or we, you know, that gets spread out where it's like, why are you relaxing? Or we don't let ourselves have it. And then the people who are closest to us usually get the back end, right? Like they're not getting the, the, the false mask that we all put on, which is our type structure. Like my husband does not get the happy, easy, you know, lighthearted version of me. Like the people who I don't feel safe with get that. Yeah. My husband gets like me on the floor crying because I've had a stressful day and yeah. So we have to remember like, oh, the best of me sometimes gets held back from those I love the most. That's so funny, isn't it? That's like, that's really, really fascinating. But I guess it's because we can drop that, that Mm -hmm. mask because we're in our safest zone or one of our safest zones. So we can just be totally honest about how I feel. But you know, what's really interesting and again, like anybody listening to this felt like she's just having a therapy session. Um, So what's fascinating is while we're still on lockdown, while we're we're doing this interview, my stepson can't work. He he also doesn't have any work from college because they've been really rubbish. He's got nothing to do. 
And that is driving me insane, right? (laughs) And the thing is, if I can come from love, which Mary teaches me all the time, I can go, this poor boy, he's got nothing to do. He must be so bored. Mm -hmm. That's so awful for him. But when I'm coming from a, when I'm in my heightened, right, I'm working, working, I literally can be like, about the fact that he's doing nothing. Because like you said, I can't cope with other people having rest or going and taking the dogs for a walk or because I'm (laughs) not doing it. But obviously that's not anything to do with me. That's, you know, that's their thing. If they want to do that, then that's cool. So yeah, that is Everybody uh, in our life is really just getting the overflow of how we talk to ourselves. And so if we're able to allow ourselves to rest, then it's so much easier to allow others to rest. But if we're rejecting that within ourselves, then we're going to reject that into, in other people. And it's, re- it's really learning, and the Enneagram can help you to do this, to learn what is it that I am not letting myself have And therefore I'm not letting other people have to. So for me, mine's it's negative emotions. Like I do not like for people to come complain to me. I don't like for people to come at me without solutions. Like I want you to have like a positive attitude, positive mindset, growth mindset all the time. And like people just aren't like that. People are human. They're not like that, you know? And I am like that because I suppress my humanity in some, in that particular area. Yeah. So that's going to be almost like a trigger point mm-hmm. because you're like, no, no, no. And then <laughs> in someone else, you're like, hang on a minute. I can't do it. So you're not doing you're it. You're not allowed to do it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. good, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. so good. So obviously your book uh, here in the UK is being released any day and hopefully will arrive very soon. It's out in America already and you've had some great feedback on it already, yeah. which is awesome. I'm so pleased because like, I never, I have written a book many, many years ago and I don't talk about it because it wasn't very good. Uh, well, I say it wasn't very good. I haven't really read it again to tell you, but I, I do have visions and ideas that one day I would like to, but the patience of actually writing a book. Uh, but you were just saying before we jumped on the call that you literally like smashed it out in a couple of weeks, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I did all the, I've had the research for several years and then I did all of the kind of out notes and things that I compiled. And then I just hunkered down, put myself, you know, I went to Copenhagen and and hit out for two weeks and I only worked on that and put all those thoughts together and expanded on them and put it out into the world. It's crazy how much we hold in our brains. Yeah. And this just proves to me that because like, I never fear speaking anywhere, like, because I know you could say to me one word and I'll talk for an hour. Like, on my subject because I know it really well. So I guess if you're writing a book, it should kind of Mm -hmm. just pour out of you a bit. Okay. So I just want to finish off. This has just been so good. And I could literally have you talk to me about this all night, but I'm sure my my listeners are like, all right, Teresa, stop talking about yourself all the time. Um, So I want to talk about your Instagram because this, obviously Mm -hmm. we talk about a lot of social media and Instagram and people are going to be sat here like, oh, sick that you've got that many people. Um, so tell me, like, I'm interested. You never intended to get this massive Instagram. You have a huge Instagram account. Do you get approached all the time by people to collaborate with, to have product from, and that sort of thing? Yeah, I do. A, I get a, de- a lot of collaborations requests. Yeah. Um, to the point I, at this point, my assistant runs them all by me on Fridays because I like to say yes to things. Yes. <laughs> so, um, she helps me to, to field all of those requests. Cause it does, there are so many that do come in that it's a little overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think, is there any other marketing that you use other than your Instagram? I have a podcast. Um, it's not my primary marketing platform. So Instagram is my Instagram and I have an email list and then I have two Instagram accounts. So yes, because you have your own under your name and then you have the Enneagram and Coffee, don't you? Yeah. So tell me about managing that Enneagram and Coffee one, because that's the big one. Well, obviously you've got two and your other one's still a fair size. Mm-hmm. Is it do you manage the DMs? Do you because I know some people are gonna be sat there because my Instagram account is nowhere near well, I'd say nowhere near it's like a drop in the ocean compared to yours, but it's like 2,800, I think at the moment. And I get lots of DMs, which is lovely. And it's, I love it. And I reply to all of them, but sometimes I, it's hard work mm-hmm. and I've got 2,800. <laughs> You've got, so how do you manage that? 
Yeah. So with, I'll say, I'll kind of contract, contrast and compare. So my Instagram account, my personal is 24,000. Yeah. I answer every single DM that comes into that account. My Enneagram and coffee, I hardly even look, I can't even look at them. It's so overwhelming that I, like I tried for about a year to really go in there every day and check them. And it's just impossible. I tried handing it off to my assistant and it was kind of like, I gave her another full-time job in, and it's usually people asking very specific questions about their, their needs. And, um, and so what I did is I just, in my bio, I asked for people to email me. And so I just can't check it, which is really weird for someone who with the other account, I'm able to answer all the DMS and I feel like I should be able to, but but at one point I'd admit defeat. <laughs> in all seriousness, I, yeah, you've, I don't know how you would have, how you would manage that. And I know there are some people out there, you know, Jasmine Starr, who's huge on Instagram, like 200, I think she's got 200 and something thousand and mm-hmm. she does. And I don't know how she does like, mm-hmm. but, but that's her thing. She is an yeah. Instagram expert. So right. that's why she's got to answer those things. Yeah. But I think it just does have to come to a point where you go, no, that's it. I'm, I'm done. So other than posting, so you post and you do Insta stories, but they mm-hmm. tend to be, your Insta stories tend to be shared Insta stories. You, do you create Insta stories yourself? Um, I don't on that account. On yeah. my other account, the Sarah Jane case, I do, yeah. I do a theme every day. Um, and I follow through with that theme every day on Enneagram and coffee. I mostly just share, I go live usually about once a week with somebody Um, and then, yeah, I mostly just share content or if I get tagged, I'll, I'll repost it if it's relevant to my audience and every once in a while I'll post something, but the the kind of the tricky thing with that large of an account, if I do stories, it gets more questions and more DMS. And so at this point I try to point people to the podcast, point people to IGTV content or point them to my Patreon account where I can actually support them because yeah. otherwise it's pretty tricky. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine. Must be amazing though. What's the best craziest offer you've ever had? Like someone coming to you saying, will you take this product and take a photo of it? Like have you had some amazing stuff offered? I have, and I, I don't say yes to a ton of stuff anymore just because I, I don't need anything. And yeah. you know, I, and I want to make sure my audience is interested in what I share that is relevant to them. And if I yeah. just take on product offers and try and create content around it, they'll see through that. Um, so I don't, but I, I, you know, I think my book was the craziest one probably yeah. is someone calling me and saying, Hey, do you want to write a book? And I me mean, being like, actually I already kind of started. <laughs> and then that is amazing. Yeah. That is, that's the dream, that. isn't it? Someone coming that's- to you going, do you want to write a book? Yeah. If you had told like middle school me that that was going to happen, I would have been like, thank you. Like, that's what I want. That is amazing. And honestly, it is amazing because, you know, again, like if I wrote a book, I'd want it published. I'd want a publisher to come and want me to have it, but you know, and like, I'm saying these things very nervously because I've never said them before, but, um, but I would. So the fact that someone came to you, that is insane, isn't it? So, so So good. Sarah Jane, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Like I said, I could talk to you all night, but obviously the four listeners are like three hours later. This is a really long podcast, <laughs> but thank you so much. And obviously I'm going to link up in the show notes to your book, to your, obviously your Instagram. I'm going to link to those ladies whose name I forget all the time because they are so funny and a very good. I've since, like you said, I've since found lots of other video type things online as well, but, but they, to me, are particularly hilarious um, and I will link it to everything and I urge people to to go and buy the book and have a look at it and just because for me it just gave me a little bit of kind of like oh okay yeah that makes sense that's you know and if it gives me a bit of forgiveness and like you said I can come from a bit of kindness to myself and kindness to other people you know because I could sit there and go well what's wrong with you why aren't you jumping up and trying to do this at this time of your you know of of what's going on in the world and it makes me go oh okay yeah I get that now so yeah I definitely urge people to go and take a look at that but thank you so much Sarah Jane it's been a pleasure to have you on yeah thank you so much for having me it was a blast
So I hope you enjoyed that episode. And like I said, if you are curious and want to find out more or know what Enneagram type you are, I will put a link in the show notes. And also I'll put a link to Sarah Jane's book, which is excellent as well. It arrived and I read it. It was really, really good. Okay, I will leave you to it for another week and I'll be back next week with a solo episode. Until then, have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then please do go check out TeresaHeathWearing.com where you'll find more amazing content to help you grow your business.